Unity of Farmington Hills, a positive path for spiritual living. Some days life feels perfect Other days it just ain't working The good, the bad, the right, the wrong And everything in between It's crazy, amazing We can turn our heart with the words we say Mountains crumble with every syllable Hope can live or die So speak life, speak life To the deadest, darkest night Speak life, speak life another hand. I know, right? <laughs> we did good. See, when you have a good group, a good band, you can have two people up there singing and the rest of them gone and still groove it, right? <laughs> Let's give them another hand. 
And Laurel grooved it yesterday, too, at her mother's memorial. We had a ball, didn't we? We had a ball. It was, it was really fun. Oh, man. So today we start a new month. We start a new power that we're going to focus on this month, um, the power of wisdom. We start a new theme that we're going into. It seems like it's going to be, is you're all on the altar of sacrifice? We'll see. But um, I know God's moving us into an experience of wisdom. And so I want to start off with a cute little joke first, and, uh, and then we'll go into the talk. <laughs> so there's a little boy named John, and he was writing, it was Christmas, getting Christmas time, you know, so he's thinking about writing a note. Then instead, of he, instead of writing the note to Santa Claus, he writes his note to Jesus, and he said, and he's considered a bad child. Now, I don't consider anybody a bad child, but he, that's what he's been heard, you know, told, because he's been very mischievous and always into stuff. So he says, there, Jesus, I promise to be good for a whole month if you bring me a bike. And then he looks at the letter and like, can I really be good for a whole month? I can't do that. So he scratched that up. Dear Jesus, I'll be good for a whole two weeks. He's like, be real, John. You can't do it for two weeks. So he moves down to three days? No. One day? No. Dang it. So he's thinking, he's sitting there frustrated. So then he runs into his mother's room. And he takes the, there's a statue there of the Virgin Mary. And he takes it and he wraps it, wraps it up, puts rubber bands around it, and throws it in his closet. And he goes, and he just sits down to write his uh, letter. And he goes, dear Jesus, if I don't get a bike, you will never see your mother again. <laughs> now that lets you know how seriously kids take things. Their imagination flows out there, right? <laughs> I thought that was so cute. And it's just a joke. It's just a joke. <laughs> I have to put that caveat in there. It's just a joke. Um, I think that if you are able to joke and have fun, that's what, and you, that's what Jesus, God, I mean, Jesus means by having the heart of a child. It opens you up to expand and be flexible. You're not so serious. You, you're more well-rounded. You have that discipline there of um, following what's true to your heart and sticking to it no matter what. But when you have joy in there as well and laughter and fun, just like Joan, your mom, your mom did, um, it causes you to be well-rounded. And then when the tough times come, you can bob and weave and flow with it, yes? So today, the title of my talk is, Is Your All on the Altar of Sacrifice? And like I said, we're going to be talking about wisdom this month as well, so I'm going to tie it together. Wisdom, when you really think about it, is the ability to evaluate, to discern, and to apply what you know. And that's our fifth unity principle, right? Our unity principles are, number one, is that there's only one power and one presence active in the world and the universe, God the good omnipotent, right? And the second one is that we are one with that power and that presence that is inside of us. And not only are we one with it, Jesus manifested that power and the inheritance of that all good perfectly. And then the third unity principle is that we create our life, we co-create our life through thoughts held in mind with God. And then the fourth unity principle is that through thoughts held in mind, I mean through um, prayer and meditation and denials and affirmations, we realign, our, we realign ourselves with the consciousness of God, the God inside of us, those things that we know that are truth principles for us. So whatever it is for you that is a truth principle, that you know is a, the truth about God, know that that truth is about you as well. And when you 
walk or act or speak or think in a way that's outside of that. You know it's happening whenever you're feeling uncomfortable somehow. You're going against the grain. There's a co-current. Uh, uh, you're going against the grain of who you are. What are you going to say? Yeah, thank you. A countercurrent going on inside of you. You're going against the flow of spirit. In those moments, we use prayer and affirm we use prayer and meditation to realign. So your prayer is thinking and aligning and telling the truth. And then you're sitting in it with God in the presence of it. And then we use the power of denials, denying the power of those error thinking, thoughts, feelings, actions, behaviors, habits. We use denials. We deny the power of that, and then we affirm the truth. So that's the fourth unity of pr principle, using denials and affirmations, prayers and meditation to align our mind. But the fifth one is the one that matters the most. And it says it's not enough to know the truth. We must live the truth that we know. We must live the truth that we know. Together, we must live the truth that we know. Now, that is what wisdom is. And Charles Fillmore, who's the co-founder of the Unity Movement, says that wisdom is intuitive knowing. He says it's a spiritual, spiritual intuition, the voice of God within, as the source of our understanding. And that's where I want to talk today. Because when I was, I'm listening, hold on. See, God rushes me with this, with, with, God just rushes me sometimes with this, uh, spiritual energy, and then I have to settle it in so I can hear what the words are to it. But all this week, there's been this song by Yolanda Adams that is your all on the altar. And I love that song. And there's a part in there where she says that you can, um, you can, it, she's saying that you have to put your whole body and your whole soul on the altar in order to walk with God. Is the, that's the essence of what it is. So as I've been moving into this week, Genesis 22, verse 9 through 17, has been working itself in my consciousness. And in this group of scripture, God tells Abraham, God has told Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac. Now he's already told Abraham that you're going to have a son that's going to be the father of, you're going to be the father of many nations and it's going to come from Isaac. Now, you know, we have these moments where we're told to do something and, and we don't see how it's going to work itself out. And he was older at the time and his wife was older at the time. He's thinking, how am I going to have a child with Sarah? And Sarah's like, I'm too old. My womb is closed up. So they go and they have another child. She takes her, her um, slave and has him wed her and then she has a child through, through that child. But that's not the child God was talking about. And we do that often. When we have an urging and a feeling to do something, we follow that instead of going and getting advice and checking in inside of ourselves with God to see what's the truth. Now, God had already told Sarah and Abram. They were Sarai and Abram at the time. And when he told them that they would have a child, they became Abraham and Sarah. Every time you're shifted in consciousness in the Bible, every time someone in the Bible, a biblical character, shifts in a higher awareness of God, their name shifts. That's the same thing with us. Your consciousness shifts. And you can't walk the same way you walked before. You have to release everything. And especially those things that matter the most and are connected the deepest to your heart if you're going to fully walk with God. 
You got to put everything on the altar. So God knows that Isaac is the heart of Sarah and Abraham. And Abraham didn't come tell Sarah what was going on because she would have stopped it, you know. So he tells him, take your son and take him up to the Mount of Moriah. I want you to crucify, I mean, sacrifice him. What if you were told to let go of your child, your husband, your mother? Your, what if you were told, release that, let it go. Don't ever connect with it again to stand and walk in the presence of God. Can you imagine in this story how Abraham must have felt? And then knowing that you have to kill it, kill this child that you waited all the, your life to have. You have to kill your child to show your love to God. And without a doubt or hesitation, walk into that presence of it. Just grasp that for a minute, how intense that must feel. You lived with your child for 10 years. You've enjoyed them. You see their personality unfolding. You see the potential. And some of us still have young children. Can you imagine that feeling? And so he tells him to, sacri to sacrifice his child, and he's walking up to the mountain. He does. He wraps him, his child up, and he is about to, he's a, he lifts up his knife, and he's about to kill him. And at that moment, the presence of God comes in again. And it says, I'm going to go where he picks up the knife. I'm going to read this part. It's in Genesis chapter 22, and I'm at verse 9. It says, and Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. Now, in that time, fear, the word that represents fear is in all or reverence. Not to be afraid of God, but to be in reverence of God, to be in awe of God, to have this holy respect um, for God. And he says, you have not withheld from me, even your son, your only son. And then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in his horns in the thicket. He took the ram and sacrificed that instead. So now let's look at this story metaphysically. What does this mean spiritually and metaphysically, this story? Now, first of all, Abraham represents faith. Walking in faith in the consciousness of God, having a deep relationship with God and having that faith with God. Isaac represents, Isaac's name is laughter. It represents all of those things that we receive pleasure from, from our physical senses. Even your relationship with others and being around others is what makes us miss those loved ones the most when they actually transition because of the way we relate it with them through our five physical senses. And sometimes six, six sense too, because when a person walks in, you ever have someone walk in a room and you did not hear them come in the room, but you felt them enter the room? I've had that happen too. Now, Isaac represents that. And when you, when you think about the idea of sacrificing Isaac, what you're sacrificing is your attachment to the things of this world. You cannot fully walk with God. There, when Jesus asked some of the disciples to come, one of the disciples said, well, wait until I bury my father first. And Jesus said, let the bed, dead bury the dead. That means when you're caught up in somebody else, that keeps you from doing your truth. 
And the truth is, when Abraham was asked to leave at 75, when he was asked by God to leave his hometown, he, God told him not to take anything with you. He brought his wife, he brought his nephew, who he was really close to, that was like his son, and he brought all of his stuff with him. He was still connected to the five, the, the, the things of this world. So he wasn't completely, truly in alignment with his relationship with God. And then when his child was born, all of his love was fed into that child. And he didn't hear completely where he's supposed to walk with God. In order to fully walk in the presence of God, you have to release the attachment to everything. So Isaac ended up being uh, um, rescued because there was a ram in a bush. There is always going to be a ram in a bush when you release the connection to something you think is your heart of all hearts for God. Because the truth is, only the pleasure and only the joy of the spirit realm and your connection to God can fully satisfy you. That is why even when someone says something that you don't like, it can hurt your feelings. That's something coming from a physical person. But when you're, when you're connected and aligned with the spirit within, nothing anybody can say can hurt you. So what is this altar of sacrifice? What is, what is this? I, I was looking that up because we're going to bring this all together. And the altar is that place in your consciousness where you go and give your total attention to God. You ever, have, you ever put time aside where you go and you pray with God and you make sure you do not get any disruptions, anyone bothering you? Turn off your phone, turn off your TV, turn off the music, everything, and just go in this space and sit with God. That's what the altar is. The altar is that place within yourself where you will truly be fed where you will truly know the presence of joy, where you will truly know the presence of prosperity, where you will truly know who you are, not outside of other people. See, this is what, something that hit me. We live our life vicariously to the, through the opinions of other people. Did you know that? Vicariously through the opinions of other people, even those who passed away when we, and they're no longer there. And it's time for us to live our life fully through the eyes, fully through the relationship of God, the way Jesus did. That your very words that you speak are not your words, but the words of God. That your very actions that you do, that you've consulted with God first before you even did anything. And those actions are the actions of, the, of God. And people know it. People know when you're being phony and when you're not. People know it when you're walking in the presence of God. There's a presence in you. There's a light in you. There's a love that comes from you, that oozes from you. There's a joy that's beyond all understanding. There's an excitement. Even when you're not feeling in your mo most highest moments, there's still this joy and this energy inside of you. You know anybody like that? <laughs> he said, uh -huh. that's good, right? You know somebody like that. And that when you talk to them, you feel loved. You know somebody that you talk to them, and no matter what they tell you, you feel loved and accepted. It's because they've released 
the doer from the deed. Does that make sense? Now, in this world with our laws, we have a jury that will say you're guilty or not guilty. But in the eyes of God, you are never guilty. In the eyes of God, God always sees the spirit of light and life that you were created to be. No matter how you're showing up, whether you're showing up in a loving presence or whether you're not, you're always that. And so what you do is you're sacrificing all of the aspects of your personality that are connected to the aspects of this world, that you may be in this world and not of this world because you're walking with what you feel inside of you, not with what you're hearing outside of you. You know, it's always these jabber-jabbers in your ear. And if we get caught up in it, we can go crazy because there's always somebody that has an opinion. Oh, I'm deciding I want to do this. Oh, how are you going to do that? You don't got any money to do that. How you, oh, well, I guess I'm not going to do that. I don't have the money. You're right. But if God told you you're going to do it, the resources are there. And the beautiful part about it is when you walk the walk, the resources start to show up. I promise you I know that fully. I promise you I know that fully. And when you step in it fully, no matter what anybody says to you, you might, when I told my daddy, yes, I want to be a minister, well, that means you got to take a poverty of, uh, a vile poverty. And I'm like, ooh, I don't want to be poor. <laughs> but there's a deeper, when you look into that deeply, a vile poverty means you let go of feeling the joy and, the, and, and putting your, your wealth and value in what somebody else sees and thinks about you. And you step into the consciousness of the presence and uh, prosperity of Christ inside of you. And that even when there's nothing, this seems like there's nothing in the bank, in your physical bank here in the world, you are filled up with the prosperity of Christ and God. And every resource necessary will be there. So I had times where I may not have had the money to pay, but I got a scholarship. Prosperity, right? If you let go of how it's going to show up and put it on the altar of sacrifice, let God show it up, then you never miss your blessing. God wants to show up in your life in a way that you can never, ever think. Take what you're thinking about and put it on that altar and let it go. Give God all of your attention. Give God all of your attention, every decision you want to make, every venture you want to start off on. Give God all of your attention. Put it on that altar. Bless it and let God show you. There's a scripture in Proverbs that says that we make the plans, but God orders the steps. And the best way to do it is to let God order the steps because God will open up some doors that have been closed that God can, that will never be shut on your face. And God will close the doors that are blocking you from walking into a higher expression. This is the truth. This is the truth. This is the truth. And I know this to be so. I know this to be so. I know this to be so. If you're holding on to your past and if you're holding on to what somebody else is saying, you will never move in the presence of God that you are meant to be. And you will never be happy and satisfied. I'm promising you the things of this world will not satisfy you the way the presence of God can inside. How would you feel if you could not do your art, Laurel? You couldn't feel. You'd feel terrible. How would your mama feel if she couldn't do her adventures in the, in the horseback riding and the motorcycle trips and the, the uh, ballroom dancing and being a free spirit? And how would she feel? She would die. Don't you know there's a lot of us walking, the walking dead, the living dead, the living wounded right now because you're not walking in your presence? 
of who you're meant to be. We have a gift. All of us has a gift. And we're here to express it. And I'm asking you right now, release whatever is holding you back from being that. I promise you, your family, everything, I promise you there's a ram in a bush. Everything will show up beyond what you could ever consider. Abraham did not know. That ram was not there at the time that he was about to let his son go. Now, he trusted God because God told him, you will have a child, and out of that child will be many nations. Whatever you are told to do, even when it seems like everything's taken away from you in a moment to step into it, I promise you, if you give up your detachment to it, God will give you a ram. There's always a ram in the bush. I promise you, I know this, that I know, that I know, that I know there's always a ram in the bush. When I went through my divorce, I had nothing. I had no car. I had no job because I was so depressed that I let my job go. I could not work. I had nothing. I was babysitting my, my, ex, my husband's niece and nephews. And, I, and, and that's all I was doing, because I couldn't do anything else. And I had no car. I was moving from Southfield, which was close to where my kids were going to school, and I was going back to Detroit to live with my father. But I knew God was moving me. I promise you I knew God was moving me. You know how I knew God was moving me? Because there was a peace inside me, even though I knew there was no way, no resources, that I was going to do what God was telling me to do. But there was peace there. And I moved back home with my father. And we got everything moved in. It snowed that day, February 5th, 2011. And my brother helped me move and everything. He said, let's go. There's a car in the backyard. Let's go clean off that car. So whose car is this? I never saw this car before. Daddy bought that car for you. I had my transportation. He did not tell me because he did not want me to make the choice to leave off of him being my backup. Because then you regret, you wonder, was this the right move? He knew I was following God, and he let me follow God. I promise you, if you let your children follow God and you stay out of the way, God will work with your child. I promise you. Let God work whoever this is for. Let God work with your child. They will sit and they will struggle. Yes, they will. But I promise you, you've given them what they needed in God. Let God work with your children. Even if your children is like Barbara Clevenger left this church, this was her, this was her baby, and she knew it was going to go in better hands. Now, for a couple years, there were ministers coming in and out. It was being groomed. It was being processed. The right group of people to bring the right minister was being cultivated. You guys went through training and preparing, right? There's always a ram in the bush. Baby, I'm your ram. <laughs> and you are my ram. Because when I let go of Flint... I had been there for four years, and I loved them. And that was not easy to let them go. But I knew God had something better. And Howard and I, I, he saw me struggling with this. And there wasn't finances here. But baby, there is now. Because you faith, you had faith in it. You let go of what was in the past. You sacrificed that. You burned it. You cleared it. We did all of these ceremonies. And now you're walking in the presence of God. And are we walking in the presence of God here? Yes. Amen? Amen? So wherever it is that you know it's time to move forward, I know your mom's gone now, but she's not gone. Her body is left. And Eileen, you already know. 
You already know. And those of you who have, who have had tra transitions in your life recently or, or still might be missing those who've left, I promise you their spirit is there cultivating and cheering for you. And whatever else you got to let go of. I would have probably still been holding on to Wilson's leather if I hadn't been laid off. And they sent me to the same, church, the same location that I helped open up to close it and laid me off. But there was a ram in the bush because they gave me room to finish this up and walk in my presence of what I'm meant to be. I promise you, it feels good to be up in here. I let go of my fears, and I'm still letting go. I'm putting it on the altar. I go inside, and I come in front of the God, Lord, and that's my altar is the presence of God, and I come inside, and I tell and I confess it. When you confess it, you're sacrificing it, and I give it up. I'm letting this go because I know you've got something for me that's bigger, and I don't know what it is, but it's always a ram in the bush when you let go of what's holding you back. I promise you. Is there, is your all on the altar of sacrifice? And if you can't clearly say yes, go to that altar and ask for help to release. Let it go and move fully in what you're here to be. I release what is holding me back, together. I release what is holding me back. I step into the presence of the Lord. Together, I step in the presence of the Lord. I'm waiting for the Ram of God. Together, I'm waiting for the Ram of God. And there will be joy, joy, joy beyond anything you can receive. And because the joys of this world are fleeting, that's the truth. They come and they go. Even in relationships, you got moments where you're up and down. Might say something to piss you off. Like, I don't want to be bothered. <laughs> you okay yet? Nope. Give me some more time. <laughs> then it's like, okay, God, I got to let that go. I want to hold on to it, but I got to let it go. Because the beautiful part about it is when you let it go and you reconvene and you move past the comfort zone or whatever hurt your feelings in the first place, then you move into a stronger relationship of love and joy. Nothing can make that better, but it's only when it's in alignment of spirit. Because then what happens is you heal that, you learn something new about your relationship, you grow into a new pattern together, and then you move forward with that new pattern. There's two histories that come together, no matter what it is you're experiencing. Whether it's a relationship financially, there's a history there with your thoughts with, with finances and God's experience of trying to give it to you. There's a history with going to a job. There's a history with relationships with people. There's a history with here in this church. There's a history there that, that two, two energies meet and create their own. Are you ready to create a beautiful life and relationship with God? Yes? So you're going to let go of and sacrifice those things that are holding you back. Yes? yes. I am ready for that ram. I am ready for that ram. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Amen. That's it. Thank you so much. Comfort for families
Thank you for listening to this Unity of Farmington Hills podcast. We hope this has encouraged you, inspired you, and uplifted you. If you are unable to attend our Sunday gatherings, but still want to support our spiritual community, visit our giving page at www.unityfh.com donate.